Buonasera. My name is Marcello. I am a tour leader with Explore. Ciao. Come, follow me. Behind this 200-year-old gate is the best view of one of Rome's finest fountains. Ah, oh, bellissima. Look at the Renaissance detail, the sunlight in the bronze. Not everyone knows about Turtle Fountain, but you will if you explore. Search exploreworldwide.co.uk and don't just travel. Explore. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome back to The Bunker. I'm Hannah Fern. The housing crisis is prompting a lot of political questions right now, but here's a particular head-scratcher. How is it that in England and Wales you can buy your own flat and yet at any time you can be stung for thousands of pounds in repairs or service charges and have absolutely no control over that cost? And why is it possible to buy a property and yet still have an expiration date on your ownership of it? That'll be the first battle of next year's general election over the longest-running housing problem of all, the feudal system of leasehold. Harry Scoffin is campaigning to end leasehold with the grassroots campaign group Common Hold Now, and he's here to discuss exactly what's going on. Hi, Harry. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So, as we're recording, it's been a really big week for the future of leasehold. Tell me what's been happening. You can't put a newspaper down without seeing leasehold everywhere. And it's amazing that what's happened is there's been a dividing line in British politics that's emerged, literally over the last two weeks, between the Labour Party and the ruling Conservative Party. And Labour don't think that the Tories are being genuine on this issue. Michael Gove, to his credit, he sees the shifting sands, British politics, knows that young people will eventually be a decisive voting bloc in this country, and we're disenfranchised. I'm 28 years old. I'm a, one of those boomerang kids where you throw them out, go to university, and they come back. <laughs> Keep going back. And I, I'm still at home with my mum and my two sisters, Lucy and Charlotte. And he's seen the shifting sands and realised, actually, we need to do something fundamental here to realign the housing market more towards young people who've been shut out of it. And for him, yes, we've got to build, build, build. Yes, we've got to absolutely reform the rental market, which is an absolute mess. But the key thing is we've got to sort out the way we own and manage blocks of flats in this country because he's very conscious that in England and Wales, we actually have the lowest density cities in Europe and we've got the second lowest proportion of flats in Europe. And his argument is the reason behind that is leasehold. It's not attractive. It's not attractive. And the reality is your home becomes a cash machine for the offshore or property developers or even, quite honestly, housing associations um, or local councils even. And the reality is you don't have the dignity, autonomy and control that you thought you were going to get with home ownership. You're effectively a glorified renter uh, with a mortgage, with a dollop of service charges on top that you can't control. And... Lisa Nandy put it beautifully yesterday. She said, while for some people this might be a minor irritant, for others it's generally ruining their lives. And that's why I helped set up this campaign, Common Hold Now, to be honest, only in March. And we're being called the new kids on the block. But I'm going to take that as a bit of a um, badge of honour because 
I think the disruptors in any sector are going to always sometimes wind people up. But we are almost like the, you know, it might raise a few eyebrows, the Extinction Rebellion without the law breaking of leasehold. <laughs> we want to shift the Overton window and actually say, we don't just want reform. We want fundamental transformation. And if we want any reform, it's reform leasehold out of existence. And so Lisa Nandy has basically committed to do that for Labour. What did she say exactly? So it's a really interesting one, because if you've been reading The Guardian, uh, Kieran Stacey and some other uh, more left-leaning publications, there's been this toing and froing about what does actually Labour believe. And I understand that obviously Labour want to win the next general election, but they're so scared almost sometimes of their own shadow that they don't want to upset any vested interests or even voters that might not think in the same way that they believe. And what's so fascinating about leasehold is that we did some recent polling with Opinion um, and it showed dramatic support for ending leasehold and replacing it with this fairer commonhold system. Um, and it's very interesting. It's very uh, consistent across the board. We're looking at 60% of Conservative 2019 voters support this agenda. It's mirroring 60% of 2019 Labour voters support this. And interestingly, 72% of Liberal Democrat voters who are becoming very influential here in, you know, the Blue Wall, the London and South East, you know, Tory heartland areas, which, you know, naturally voted Conservative under David Cameron in 2010 and 15, who generally feel a little bit left out in the cold with a focus on Brexit, culture wars and stop the boats. And what's interesting about Labour is that they're on a journey. And we've got to really support that. We're a non-partisan campaign, but we want to work with any political party and none who really care about equality, social justice, but co most of all, social mobility. How is it right that in this 21st century, that when you buy a flat, you don't own it? And even when you pay off that mortgage, at the end of the day, you're just a tenant. And, you know, I'm speaking about my generation here. I'm 28 years old. I'm lucky in a way that I've avoided the rental market so far, but it's going to come. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that what is the point of buying a flat that you don't then control? And those charges could literally destroy your life. You may not even be able to afford to live in that property anymore. And the problem is, say if you try and sell that flat, no one else wants it because they look at those service charges and think, crikey, why are you paying £5,000 a year to live in a you know, tiny one bed flat in maybe not the best area. And there's no simple, there's no gym, there's going to garden. And people are like, no, and they're waking up to it, especially after Grenfell and the cladding and building safety crisis. So they're walking away from it. And as you say, this has turned into a political division. You spoke about how Michael Gove seems to understand the depth of the problem, but that's not where his party stands now. So what's happening there? There is an element of he's way ahead of his own party on this. And, you know, we are a non-partisan campaign, but there is definitely a question about where power lies in the Conservative Party, but also Labour. Are they more for the interests of the donors, the developers, the offshore, the men in the Cayman Islands in Monaco, or are they more for the voters and the homeowners and prospective first-time buyers like myself? And that's a really important dividing line that I think Labour need to make much more of. They were really great on things like dodgy PPE contracts, you know, COVID fraud and furlough fraud. But what we need to hear is how close are the Tories to property interests? Because because they have dropped their promise. They, they've dropped abolishing leasehold. And, you know, we don't want to sound ungrateful. There will be a bill in the King's speech in November, but it's going to be what we call an odds and sods bill. It's going to be some new rights to challenge. So my mum is going to have to trek to tribunal up against a KC and very powerful lawyers. And she's going to have to pay out of her own pocket to fund that. 
Um, you know, we're going to get some rights on transparency. But for us, and this is why we set up Common Hold now, there are existing groups out there who have done amazing work and we're standing on the shoulders of giants here. But what we didn't feel is that leaseholders at the sharp end need to be heard from. And I'm going to be honest, I was personally inspired by Quajo with what he's done with his iPhone in social housing. He's come out of nowhere. He channeled an injustice. His own father died because of Maldi home. And the thing is, and just cancer because disrepair, the reality is I would never want to compare leaseholders to people in horrific social housing conditions. But one thing that we do have in common with those guys and renters is that we're tenants. And you might then say, well, hang on a second, you're not actually a leaseholder, Harry. And I've been clear as rain on this one, actually, or clear as day rather. Basically, my mum is a leaseholder and she is a financial hostage. Her service charges have gone up an obscene £10,000 in five years. And the freeholder, I'm not going to name him, but is one of Britain's richest men. And leasehold goes back to power. And we are spoon-feeding journalists, and we love to do it because this is our job. But it comes back to where power lies. This is not a dry housing or policy area. So you've watched your mum suffer the consequences of leasehold, that, yeah. that lack of power. Did you grow up in this leasehold property with her? So, yeah. So, uh, to be honest, and this is maybe where your listeners are going to say ignorant, you shouldn't have bought it. And there's a real strand of debate out there, particularly on the right of British politics, that say this thing called caveat emptor, buyer beware. So, actually, no one forces you to buy a leasehold. So, why are you moaning about it? But what I would argue is that seeing it, I've had a ringside seat to this unfolding disaster. And the thing is, politics is always far away from where people are. And what we wanted to do was go up and down the country because it's all right hearing from a few Londoners who generally have it all right. If they have a flat, there is an argument of, well, you get to afford to live in a capital and it's a global mega city. And mostly benefited from uh, increase in housing. Increase in house price anyway. But what's really interesting, and I want to give a shout out to John at the Financial Times, who's done a stunning piece. This John Byrne murder. Yes, that's correct. And he said, why? is England and Wales' flat market had a heart attack or a cardiac arrest. And he found two factors in his data. And it was a really compelling data set because he didn't just use England and Wales. He did a comparative study with America, with Scotland, with Northern Ireland and Ireland. And he managed to control for the variables. And what the independent variable was, the thing that you change, was actually leasehold. So even though Ireland and Northern Ireland technically have leasehold, It's a very different beast from what we have. The flat owners control the charges. It's a little bit like Lord Sugar on The Apprentice. If you're being ripped off, you can say you're fired at an AGM. So while you may have a lease and you might have to share the freehold with your neighbours and you've got this lease agreement which might not allow you to do improvements, which we may discuss later when we talk about net zero and upgrades like that. But generally, it's it's an all right system because they have control and it's collective decision making. And what he really found is not only was it, and obviously lots of journalists have focused on the cladding and the building safety crisis. And the suggestion is as soon as the money is sorted out for that and all these blocks are toshed up and fixed, then confidence is going to return to flats. And what John was saying was so brilliant because his argument or his suggestion was that confidence will never come back to this market because actually the genie now is out of the bottle. You know, and particularly uh, last two or three years, there's an amazing journalist called Madison Marriage 
at the Financial Times who's done some brilliant stories. And I know I have friends in Singapore and Hong Kong. I was very lucky to grow up in Singapore. These are the ones that are keeping the flats market afloat. And they've now woken up to it that actually, even from a buy-to-let landlord perspective, your rental yield can be trashed by someone in Monaco or Cayman Islands or even a housing association. So completely divorced from the reality. What you described um, those kind of investors... But what other kinds of people or organisations are these freeholders? Who, who and what are they? So generally they're offshore. Sometimes you have pension funds, but you know our argument to them is you should never invest it in this morally dubious asset class to begin with. Divest now, because if you don't divest, you're not going to get what you want from that asset. So that's your campaign to pension Wait, providers, and, yeah, like move out of we've this. We've got to be very careful with the language you use here because there's a war at the moment going on between people that are pushing reform people that are pushing abolition. We have to be clear about when people sometimes say reform, are they maximalists? Do they want to eventually see an end to this essentially feudal system that goes back to manoralism and serfdom where people, you know, held land at the behest of a lord of a manor? Or do we want to move away from that system or do we want to tinker with it, give us a few extra rights, but don't give us control? And I think if people are saying reform and they want to fundamentally move away from the system, even in the medium term, we've got to support that. But I think people that use the word reform to muddy the waters, we have to fight them because they're not on our side. They simply want to retain their stake. And sweat the asset and ruin people's lives like my mum. And we can't buy the freehold. We can't get right to manage this ability to just fire the managing agent without buying the freehold because we happen to have some commercial premises underneath. And don't get me wrong, you know, we're in Isle of Dogs, We've never said that we are, you know, on the breadline or anything like that. But that's not the point. Being ripped off is being ripped off. Exploitation is wrong. Anyone that defends it, I want to look into their soul and think, who are you fighting for? The real people, your children that want to buy a flat eventually, or for the offshore, the sweat, the assets, the faceless, freeloading freeholders that are ruining people's lives. How's it? My name is Lassetti. I'm a tour leader with Explore. Come on, let me show you something. Oh, careful. Can you see it? Oh, trust me. It can see you. There, between the trees. It's not every day you get to see a rhino on a walk. I guess not everyone is taken to the right places. But you will be, if you explore. For global adventures, search exploreworldwide.co.uk and don't just travel. Explore. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So you described yourself previously, before the start of the campaign, as coming from the the sort of centre-right politically. Um, How far has this kind of changed your perspectives about the politics of of this country and who stands up for what interests? See, that's a brilliant question. I've actually, you've done your homework. Um, I've never had a question like that before. But basically, yeah, I was involved in the Conservative Party for a while, some years ago now. 
I actually quit over Robert Jenrick's behaviour over the building safety and cladding crisis quietly, but I didn't want anything to do with that party anymore when they wanted to throw my generation under the bus just for buying a home of their own. And we were talking just before we came on about who are the Tories for. Actually, if they're not for homeowners and want to be homeowners, I don't know what they exist for other than potentially to protect the offshore money grows on the Cayman Island trees type people that are taking money out of the national economy. And I know this word sometimes, it, people don't understand it, but these rent seekers or rentiers that are just living off passive income, they're not contributing anything, they're not innovating. And I think this is a message to the Conservative Party. I'm not involved with them anymore. But if they want to have an electoral future, they need to wake up before it's too late. And the way they're going about this leasehold business at the moment, they're out of power for a generation or more. I mean, this could be an absolute wipeout. And I think to credit Keir Starmer, we've not heard anything from him about this issue other than on the cladding of the building safety crisis when a, a lovely young woman called Hayley Tillotson in Leeds had bought a shared ownership flat, which is supposed to be more affordable. And she went bankrupt. I know her very well. Lovely person, lovely human being. We could do a whole other podcast on shared ownership. Absolutely. I may yet do that. <laughs> and also cladding on the building safety crisis. Yeah. But the thing is, is that Labour are understanding that where the British public are, or at least voters in England and Wales, because we know in Scotland uh, they don't have leasehold, they're the land of tenements or freehold. You know, a Scottish person's home is their castle. Whereas in England, unfortunately, it's the mighty landlords if it's a leasehold. And yeah, I just want to, to send a message personally to Rishi Sunak. I actually met him. Years ago now, when he was a lowly local government minister, it was his first job, I think, in government, and he was under Theresa May. How quickly things change. Eh? Uh, yeah, and you know what he said to me? He said, leasehold is a scam. And that rings in my ears now, that how can someone who I felt did have integrity now block Michael Gove on abolishing this fundamentally rip-off, unfair, also inefficient. This is not a good way of organising flats. You speak to anyone from any other country, they cannot believe that when you buy the flat, you have a third party, sometimes offshore building owner, who normally only has 3 to 5% capital value. And going back to your question about my politics, in a way, my politics isn't that relevant because we've set up this amazing group, Common Hold Now, of people from all political traditions and none. But what we all have in common is we want real home ownership. We want dignity, autonomy and control. And the Tories were talking about take back control. But when it comes to actually homeowners or prospective homeowners, they don't want to hear about it. You mentioned the cladding scandal. How far do you think that the tragedy of Grenfell and what followed uh, around, particularly for shared owners, as you pointed out, has really made people finally come to understand what leasehold is? Has it been a, a factor in kind of, I suppose, radicalising people in feeling that this is not a fair system? Absolutely. So I said the genie was out of the bottle. I still stand by that. The reality is, is that what happened in Grenfell was shocking. And I want to say that it's shocking that no one has been arrested or charged or anything like that. I mean, the reality is, is that... Virtually nothing. Yeah, has nothing occurred. has happened yeah. here. We've got an inquiry that's now delayed the final report. It's shameful. You know, if it was in a different issue, maybe it was something about banks that were going to collapse or something like that, we would have had the report ages ago. But because it's people that are living in social housing, but I say it's even beyond social housing, any block of flats, no one really cares. And I think to Michael Gove's credit, he was the one that was like, right, we need to sort this out because my predecessors didn't get it 
or they were too close to the vested interests that wanted a dob. Mm. You know, tens of thousands of pounds, even hundreds of thousands of pounds. I met a young woman who was faced with a two hundred thousand pound bill, and I think the flat, you know, is in Stevenage. And was only worth about 230,000. And the reality is, is that you can't then borrow that money from the bank. And Michael Gove, to his credit, was the only one, I think, in the Conservative Party that realised we're going to have to make some of our donors a bit uncomfortable here. We've got to turn the screws because whether they're property developers or freeholders, these guys either built the buildings or they own the buildings. And, you know, I want to be clear when we're talking about my personal politics. I may have come from the Conservative Party background, but I think everyone in this campaign involved in Common Hold now does not believe in confiscation without compensation. We want freeholders to be paid a fair market rate. What would that look like? How, so would, you, would, yeah. how would you manage it? Because it's, yeah. it's a huge question to say, you know, we've got these, they're not just vested interests, they are also investment portfolios. So it's a complex sure. thing. Yeah, yeah. If you hand over and you create common hold, which presumably they would share a, a share in that common hold, would they? Or would you? Well, the beauty of it is you'd flush all these parasites away. And, and even the noble custodian guys, you know, talking about maybe housing associations, the ones that do have some integrity, that haven't been shamed by Quajo yet, the reality is, is that they would still have control of the social homes units, the units that are purely but for rent. But they'd hand over But they would the hand control. over control over the rest of the building, but you would have a shared decision-making structure so when the plant room needs fixing, it's not a housing association sweating the asset anymore. They'll have to be accountable to, to the, the flat owners holder, yeah. and every other unit holder. And to be honest, even be accountable to the people that live in their social homes. Because I'm going to be honest here, I don't like the way some people say social, private, leasehold. The reality is 60% of leasehold properties now are rented out. Now, when we don't have a hot shower in our block of flats... Who are affected? It's not just the leaseholders. It's actually the renters. Mm. And the problem, I really feel sorry for the renters. So that's a three-level Yeah, it's a three-level thing. Yeah. And the reality is these renters, they can complain to the landlord's letting uh, agent or they complain to the buy-to-let landlord. The buy-to-let landlord might be in Hong Kong or Singapore. They actually can't do anything about it because they're not the building owner and they have no rights over the common parts. So the reality is if someone is being their life is being disrupted as a leaseholder, chances are it will be a renter that's affected too. Let's talk about disputes between neighbours because that feels like the inevitable consequence is you have a, a large number of people living in, in close proximity. They're going mm. to disagree about the cost, about what needs to be and done, repairs, the urgency on repairs. Who gets the contract, yeah. Um, isn't it a recipe for another kind of hell? Communal living will always present its challenges, right? You're putting people <laughs> That's from... That's a really, really... Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. Pragmatic, like form you know? of, a pragmatic yeah. way of the putting it. The reality is when you put people <laughs> from various cultures and backgrounds and life experiences together, you know, it's a village. It's a vertical village, these blocks of flats. But what I say is a bit Winston Churchill. I'm going to go back to the tourism Democracy is the worst system except for all others that have been tried. So it's and better to have that side. It's better to have democracy and control. Yeah. And yeah, we'll fall out. But you know what? I've got a newsflash for you. People fall out in leasehold. And these freeholders, they don't give a toss about who's falling out of who. And this idea by the sector that, oh, well, we're independent landlords and we can we can go for the long-term interest of the building. It's rubbish. These guys only own 3 to 5% capital value, number one. Number two, they don't pay the service charges. So they can jack those service charges up as high as they like to make the building almost unsaleable in terms of the leaseholder's interests. And number three, because these freeholders don't live in the building, 
They don't really care about plant room not being maintained. They don't really care about the showers not working. They don't really care about the floods across whole levels of floors that write off carpets. And then you know what they do? They work with their insurers and they bring the water, escape of water excess to 25K. So you're paying for an insurance policy here yeah, that you don't even have an ability to claim on. So the whole thing, it's like every element of leasehold you lose. And there is an argument, I get it. People say, well, actually, I've got a good freeholder or I've got a good managing agent. And I don't really relate to getting rid of leasehold. But you know what I say? We did this polling and it was a representative sample of England and Wales voters. And 73% of the leaseholders that are polled don't want reform. They want leasehold ended and replaced with common hold. So given where we are right now, we're not where you'd like us to be. Maybe we can be after the next election, let's see. But where we are now, what would you say to someone who told you they're about to make an offer on a leasehold flat? Do not buy it. Honestly, it's going to be the biggest mistake of your life. And if it's not the biggest mistake of your life now or in a year's time, it will be in three or four or five years' time. And the point is flat sales are down, down, down. And if you get stuck on a flat, you'll be there forever. Thanks so much, Harry. We know that times are tough, but if you like this podcast and you want to support The Bunker, please consider backing us on Patreon. Just choose the amount you want to donate and help us keep making new episodes. I'm Hannah Fern. Thanks for listening. Good news! Your favourite history nerds are back! Yes, we at We Are History have been trawling the history shelves of our local bookshops. Well... I have, John. You mostly went around finding your books and moving them to the front of the displays. If I can find them, it's a bonus. We are ready to tell you all about what we've learned, from the revolting French to some revolting women. Via some Brits abroad and a foul-mouthed Irishman. So, download We Are History. Our laughable attempt at a silly history podcast. With me, John O'Farrell. And me, Angela Barnes. Wherever you get your podcasts. The Bunker was written and presented by Hannah Fern. The producer was Chris Jones, with audio production by me, Simon Williams. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. The group editor is Andrew Harrison. With music by Kenny Dickinson and artwork by James Parrott, The Bunker is a Podmasters production. <laughs>